Life Audio. Welcome. You have joined Truth Tribe with Doug Grotheis, author and professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary. This is where we seek the truth about what matters most through reason and evidence. Today, I'd like to read a paper that I wrote some years ago that I still very much passionately believe in. And this is called A Christian Apologetics Manifesto. You could probably find it online somewhere. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. Matthew 16, 9. This is a manifesto to ignite the holy fire of apologetic passion and action. As did Jeremiah, we should have fire in our bones to communicate and commend Christian truth today. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. This manifesto is not a sustained argument or a detailed development of themes. Rather, as a manifesto, it proclaims a short series of interrelated propositions crying out for both immediate and protracted reflection, prayer, and action. These challenges issue from convictions formed through my at this time, nearly 30 years of apologetic teaching, preaching, debating, writing, and Christian witness. Now we're closer to about 46 years of that. Because of one, the waning influence of the Christian worldview in public and private faith, in public and private life in America today, and two, the pandemic of anti-intellectualism in the contemporary church, and three, the very command of God himself, to declare, explain, and defend divine truth, I strongly advise that the following statements be wrestled with and responded to by all followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1. Christian apologetics involves the presentation and defense of Christianity as an integrated worldview that is objectively, universally, and absolutely true, reasonable, knowable, and existentially pertinent to both individuals and entire cultures. Apologetics involves rebutting unbelieving accusations against Christ, see 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 and Jude 3, as well as giving a constructive and persuasive case for Christian theism, Philippians 1, 7, 1 Peter 3, 15. 
Proposition 2. Any intellectual discipline, church practice, or teaching that minimizes or degrades the importance of apologetics is unbiblical and must be repented of. See Matthew 4.17, Acts 17.16-32, again 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, 1 Peter 3, 15, Jude 3. The degradation of apologetics can only lead to further vitiation of the life of the church. As Hosea said, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. Statement 3. The fundamental issue for apologetics is not how many apologists one has read or what apologetic method one embraces, though that must be worked out carefully, as I do in my book, Christian Apologetics. Rather, the essential issue is whether or not one has a passion for God's transforming truth, reasonably pursued and courageously communicated, and a passion for the lost because of the love of God resident and active in one's life. See Romans 9, 1 through 3 and 10, verse 1. Like the Apostle Paul at Athens, we should be greatly disturbed because of the rampant unbelief of our day. We, like that great apologist, should also be intellectually equipped and spiritually prepared to enter the marketplace of ideas for the cause of Christ. See Acts 17, 16-34. Statement 4. The apologist must be convinced of the truth, rationality, pertinence, and knowability of the Christian worldview, which is derived from Holy Scripture as it is logically, systematically, and rightly harmonized with general revelation, that is, truth knowable outside of Scripture. This is an intellectual goal for a lifetime, as the disciple of Christ seeks to love God with one's mind and take more and more thoughts captive to obey Christ. See Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. The apologist should never rest content with an ad hoc or piecemeal worldview, as is so typical of those afflicted with postmodern pastiche sensibilities. Statement 5. In light of these first four statements, fideism, the claim that Christian faith has no positive warrant from reason or evidence, should be rejected as unbiblical and harmful to the great cause of biblical truth. Fideistic confessions such as, I just know that I know in my knower, do little to challenge unbelief or induce unbelievers to consider the saving truth of the gospel of Christ. Moreover, members of other religions can use the same technique to attempt to support their false beliefs. This is especially the case for Mormons, who rely so heavily on subjective feelings to verify supposedly objective claims. Fideism strips Christianity of its rational witness to the reality of God's holy revelation to humanity. Statement 6. Any theology, apologetics, ethics, evangelism, or church practice that minimizes or degrades the concept of objective, absolute, universal, and knowable truth is both irrational and unbiblical. As such, it must be rejected and repented of. Thus, the postmodernist view of truth as socially constructed, contingent, and relative must be rejected by Christian apologists and everyone else. 
anything that might be true in postmodernism can be found elsewhere in better philosophical systems. What is false in postmodernism, the vast majority of it, is fatal to Christian witness. Without a strong biblical view of truth, apologetics is impossible. On that, see my book from 2000 called Truth Decay. Statement 7. The work of the Holy Spirit in bringing people to saving faith should not be artificially separated from faithful apologetic engagement and endeavor. Many Christians wrongly think that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is exclusively non-rational or even irrational. Of course, the Spirit is free to win and woo unbelievers in a host of ways, including dreams, angelic visitations, healings, visions, meaningful coincidences, and so on. But we must remember that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, as Jesus said. See John 16.13. There is no reason to separate the work of the Holy Spirit from rigorous and skillful argumentation for Christian truth. The Holy Spirit can set the redeemed mind free to argue logically and winsomely. He also reaches into unbelievers' souls through the force of arguments. Apologists should earnestly pray that the Holy Spirit will make them as intelligent and knowledgeable as possible. Statement 8. All apologetic endeavors should manifest the virtues of both humility and courage through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. See Acts 1.8, Galatians 5.16-26. If we have been bestowed by Almighty God with truth to defend, this is because of God's grace, not our own goodness. See Ephesians 2, 1-8, Titus 3, 5 and 6. There is no room for pride, which goes before a fall. If Almighty God has bestowed us with a saving truth to defend rationally, we should take it to the streets and not shrink back from appropriate encounters with unbelief. There is no room for cowardice. As the Apostle Paul counseled Timothy, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7 Humility should not be confused with uncertainty or timidity. One may be confident in one's worldview and defend it publicly, without being arrogant. The grand apologist G.K. Chesterton explains this perfectly and memorably. Quote, but what we suffer from today is humility in the wrong place. Modesty is moved from the organ of ambition. Modesty is settled upon the organ of conviction, where it was never meant to be. A man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but undoubting about the truth. This has been exactly reversed. Nowadays, the part of man, the part of a man that a man does assert is exactly the part he ought not assert himself. The part he doubts is exactly the part he ought not to doubt, the divine reason. And that is taken from his classic book, Orthodoxy. Statement 9. Apologetics must be carried out with the utmost intellectual integrity. See Titus 2, 7 and 8, James 3, 1 and 2. All propaganda cheap answers, caricatures of non-Christian views, hectoring, and fallacious reasoning must be avoided. Sadly, some apologetic materials are too cavalier for serious use. 
one should develop competent answers to searching questions about the truth and rationality of the Christian faith. This demands excellence in scholarship at all intellectual levels, even the most popular. This cognitive orientation takes time, money, and sustained effort. It will not happen by merely watching television, playing on the Internet, or by otherwise wasting our limited time. Christians must cultivate the virtue of studiousness in order to grow deep in their knowledge of God, the Christian worldview, and how to bring the Christian message to bear on unbelief. 10. The artificial separation of evangelism from apologetics must end. Many evangelistic methods die when those evangelized ask questions related to apologetics. Therefore, all evangelistic training should include basic apologetic training as well. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. The Apostle Paul serves as a model for us in that he both proclaimed and defended the gospel in the book of Acts. See Acts 17, 16 through 32, Acts 19, 8 through 10, and other places. Jesus also rationally defended his views as well as propounding them, as I argue in my book on Jesus. Statement 11. Apologetics is meant just as much for believers with doubts and questions as it is directed toward unbelievers. Therefore, Christians with doubts should not be shunned or shamed, but rather given good apologetic arguments, as well as pastoral care, in dealing with their intellectual struggles. When followers of John the Baptist came to Jesus with John's questions about Jesus' messianic identity, Jesus did not rebuke them but provided evidence for why John should believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. See Matthew 11, 1-11. Jude also counsels us to, quote, have mercy on those who doubt, unquote, Jude, verse 22. One way to show mercy to the doubter is to build him or her up by giving reasons for Christian faith. The apologetic witness of the Church is strengthened tremendously, when Christians gain rational assurance that their faith is indeed true, meaningful, and cogent. Statement 12. Since all Christians are called and commanded to have a reason for the hope within them, 1 Peter 3.15, Christian teachers, pastors, mentors, and educators of all kinds are remiss if they avoid, denigrate, or minimize the importance of apologetics to biblical living and Christian witness. The commonly heard canard, no one comes to Christ through arguments, is patently false. Many people, such as the apologists C.S. Lewis and John Warwick Montgomery, were drawn to the gospel through apologetic arguments, as was the prolific writer Lee Strobel. By God's grace, I have been able to help un unbelievers see the truth and rationality of Christianity 
through apologetic arguments. Well-respected Christian philosophers and apologists such as William Lane Craig and J.P. Moreland concur. Not all Christian teachers are equally gifted in apologetics, and some will emphasize this discipline more than others. But none should minimize the necessity of apologetics or preach around it when the biblical text requires otherwise. Statement 13. Those outside of the leadership positions mentioned in Statement 12 should humbly but boldly request that apologetics be made a constitutive part of these institutions, if this is not already the case, and pray to that end. We must stimulate each other to love and good deeds in this area. Hebrews 10.24 Statement 14 In light of Statements 12 and 13, Christian colleges, seminaries, and churches should incorporate apologetics into their institutional and educational life, mission, and vision. Specifically, every Christian high school, college, university, and seminary should require at least one class in apologetics for every degree in their curriculum. Sadly, this is not now the case for most institutions of Christian learning. Moreover, every discipline should be taught from a Christian worldview perspective, since all truth is God's truth. And see Arthur Holmes' terrific book of that title, All Truth is God's Truth. This has a significant apologetic value in and of itself. Dwayne Litvin, formerly president of Wheaton College, has written very carefully and insightfully on this practice with respect to the Christian college. Christian education within the church, especially the junior high level and above, should become more intellectually serious and thus more apologetically oriented. Classes should be taught by thoughtful teachers who engage students to outthink the world for Christ and take it to the streets. These settings should become more like prayerful classrooms and less like chattering religious coffee and donut centers. Along these lines, churches should invest significantly in a church library that is well-stocked with books on apologetics and other topics. Sadly, this is a vanishing reality. Fifteen. Mission agencies should ensure that their missionaries are adequately trained in the apologetic issues and strategies required for their place of service. The Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18-20 requires that Christ's followers disciple the nations by teaching them everything Jesus taught his original disciples. Since Jesus prized the life of the mind and defended his theology and ethics rationally, Christians should bring the best arguments for Christianity and the best arguments against non-Christian religions to bear on the mission field. The nations cannot be discipled apart from the full-orb teaching and defense of the Christian worldview as it relates to all of life. Statement 16. Because apologetics is meant to be the presentation and defense of Christianity is true, reasonable, pertinent, and knowable, competent apologists should attempt to offer their argument in as many public venues as possible. Therefore, qualified Christian apologists should learn to become public intellectuals, thinkers who have mastered their material and are willing and able to enter public discourse and debate in a way that challenges and engages the non-Christian mind 
as well as galvanizing other Christians to hone their apologetic skills. Areas of apologetic engagement include the following. Writing letters to the editor of newspapers and magazines. Writing op-ed pieces for newspaper, newspapers. Calling talk radio programs. Engaging in public debates and dialogue. Dialogues on religious and ethical issues, particularly in university campuses where young minds are being forged for a lifetime. Making apologetic contributions to interactive web pages. Writing books oriented to those outside the typical evangelical market, which are published by secular publishers, if possible. Creating apologetic tracks for specific events. Any other creative outreach, drama, poetry, cinema, and more. Statement 17. Christians should also labor to present reasons for faith in as many private settings as possible. Many who are not gifted as public speakers or writers can shine in their interpersonal Christian witness. This can include apologetic encounters such as inviting people into one's home for apologetic messages and discussions, giving apologetic literature to friends, family, and co-workers, writing letters to friends, family, and co-workers explaining and defending Christianity. Statement 18. Young Christians with an aptitude in philosophy and academic pursuits in general should be encouraged that these disciplines are just as spiritual as anything directly church-related. For example, being a Christian philosopher at a secular college or university is just as godly and spiritual as being a pastor, missionary, or professor at a Christian institution. As the Dutch statesman, theologian, and journalist Abraham Kuyper said, there is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Christ does not cry out, This is mine. One may prudently apply one's apologetic skills in these settings and thus extend the Christian witness. Statement 19, and in conclusion. All apologetic ventures, whether in writing, speaking, or dialogue, should be backed by personal prayer by the apologist and supporting prayer of those in the church. See Ephesians 6.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Certain apologetic ventures, especially those that deal with the occult and false religions, may require fasting in addition to prayer. See Matthew 6.18-20 and Acts 13.1-3. May we who are redeemed through the blood of the Lamb and who yearn to proclaim, explain, and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, take as our charge the Apostle Paul's rousing conclusion to his glorious exposition of the meaning of Jesus' resurrection. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15.58 That wraps up another edition of Truth Tribe with Doug Grotheis. If you'd like to know more about me or the ministry I can give to your church or organization, please visit my webpage at douglasgrotheis.com. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app. 
so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.